Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is wonderful to be with you again for another great week. And I have another fabulous guest. I'm really excited about today's guest because I have known about him for a long time. I actually bought many stones from him from his heavenandearthjewelry.com business. And I love crystals and I love alchemy. I love personal growth and spiritual growth. And his latest book just jumbles all that up right into one, and I cannot wait to dive into particularly the conversation around alchemy. All of the world's advanced societies in these difficult times have at their core an emptiness. Something is missing, and we can feel that absence in our hearts. We are all aware that the technological revolution brought about by the emergence of materialistic mechanistic science has brought us many wonders, But they are all material wonders. They have all come via manipulation of physical matter and physical energy in the outer physical world. What is missing is the link with the inner world, the link with the soul and the spirit, the link with worth and meaning. There's so much out there and there's this way that we can create alchemy in our world. And we have all of these beings and all of these uh, different aspects of energy and soul that are out there for us to access. But we have not been privy to this beauty, mysticism, as well as science. And so today's guest is Robert Simmons, and he's the best-selling author of the Book of Stones. And he has just released a new book called The Alchemy of Stones, co-creating with crystals, minerals, and gemstones for healing and transformation. It's a powerful book that will allow you to understand how you can work with these stones and create alchemy. Robert has been working with crystals and stones for over 35 years, and he is the co-founder of Heaven and Earth, a company offering gem and jewelry creations for self-healing and spiritual and emotional development. Again, he's the author of several books, including The Book of Stones and Stones of the New Consciousness, and the latest one is The Alchemy of Stones. Welcome, Robert, to 1111 Talk Radio. I'm thrilled to have you here. Oh, hi, Simran. I'm really glad that you're having me. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I want to start off, first of all, asking the question if science and mysticism can go hand in hand. And I want to mention that my opening was from your wording, uh, from much of your wording in your book. And you talk a bit about science and mysticism in the book. So can you express to the audience um, how separate or united these two are? Well, in the world that we live in right now, um, there's a lot of separation between science and what I would say with spirit, um, in which mysticism is sort of a way of coming to spirit. Um, So, yet there are certainly areas of science where it's coming together. I mean, we all have probably heard about quantum physics and the way that it has shown that consciousness affects physical reality. Um, If you look back to the days of the alchemists, science and spirituality had not yet separated. Um, Materialism was not a belief system then. Um, And as my friend Danny Deardorff said, uh, alchemy exists precisely at the crossroads of science and magic. Mm. 
And it is this, um, alchemy is this ancient precursor to psychology. You talk about Jung and how uh, he mentions much of that as the ancient way in which we did our personal growth and our expansion and our evolution. And then we kind of turned more towards the mind rather than the elements. Uh, Talk a little bit about how we can bring back more of that spiritual component, because we have become such a heady society. Uh, We definitely live from our egos. We live from our minds. Technology continuously takes us outside. And alchemy is very much an internal process. So how do we make that pivot, particularly using stones, to bring us from the mind into the body and from external outward growth to the internal alchemical growth? Fantastic question. Um, You know, the thing that I would say about this is that um, as much as I love alchemy, and I really, really do, how I entered into this is through stones. I worked with stones. I was, first of all, a jewelry designer many, many years ago, and I wasn't aware of the energies of stones. Um, My wife introduced me to Moldavite, and that was the initiating thing that happened to me when I first felt the energy of Moldavite, it turned on my capacity to feel the energies of all the other stones. So I went from being a non-believer in all this to somebody who had an undeniable experience of its reality. Um, And not only that, but as I said, it turned on a capacity to feel stones and their energies that's never turned off. Um, So the thing you talk about, about... um, Pulling away from our uh, fixation on the outer world and seeing how the outer world and the inner world overlap one another um, is the stones are the perfect uh, allies in doing that. And why do I say that? Because stones are both physical objects produced through the Earth's own um, geological processes and they're spiritual beings that can meet us. In the in in the in between realm that exists between so-called solid matter and pure spirit, and that realm is what Jung called uh, the imaginal realm, and a lot of mystics such as Henry Corbin also called the imaginal realm. Not that it's imaginary, but that it is the realm of image, and there we meet the beings of the stones if we're open to that. So we begin by feeling their energy. And in the Alchemy of Stones book, I try to say, what does it mean that we feel energy from stones? What's the nature of the energy? Who, who or what is, quote, quote, unquote, sending it? And is there something reciprocal we can do with it? So I know I've just opened up a whole bunch of things by saying all this, but stones are the perfect avenue into inner alchemy. And I feel as though we've been doing inner alchemy with stones intuitively for years, many, many of us, without realizing that it was alchemy or calling it that. Yeah, you have said a lot right there. So let's back up a little bit, because I'm sure that there are listeners that have had experiences uh, seeing stones, going into a crystal shop, being given a stone, where they kind of go, oh, well, that's really pretty. And then there's other people who go and see stones, and they immediately feel vibrations or light, or they get intuitive hits, or they have spiritual experiences with them. Uh, So first of all, I want to talk about 
you know, that crystals are not this fad. We, they, they seem to be here to stay and be used in more and more beautiful ways, which we'll get into later in the show. But also that they're going to be experienced differently by different people. And um, can you give some clarity? Because I'm sure when you said that the stones have uh, being, they're stone beings, that, that may have raised a few uh, eyebrows and perked a few ears for individuals that may not truly get what stones uh, can have activated within them. Right. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot, of, lot to say about that. I mean, one thing I want to say to begin with is that we do perceive what I'm calling the energies of stones in different ways. Different people do. And some people are not aware of perceiving them at all. But as you know, there is a large segment of our, of our population of the world who does quote-unquote feel crystal energies. And some of us will feel it as a tingle in our hand or in the heart if we're holding the stone near the heart or in different chakras. Some people will feel a stone's energy as though they're suddenly uh, experiencing heat. Uh, some people will, as you said, see light. Um, some people will feel lightheaded. Uh, it depends on the stone and on the person. Um, but these are all sort of symptomatic of the fact that there is something that occurs when a person holds a stone or sometimes is just near a stone um, that is a kind of exchange. Um, now, I take it a little bit further um, and this is after years of, of working with stones meditatively um, and, and call them beings. And by this, I do, I'm doing what the ancient alchemists did. It seems weird in our day to think of so-called inanimate objects as, as beings with their own consciousness. But before uh, Descartes, um, which means, uh, you know, before the 17th century, the common belief was that all of nature was alive and that stones and stars and hills and rivers all had their own consciousness. And these days that's called panpsychism, which is a philosophy saying that pan means everywhere, psyche means soul. It's a philosophy that says that soul is everywhere. And that's what I found with the stones. And I've also found that um, relating with them this way, imagining them as if they are beings we're met with responses inwardly that confirm that. And there's a much richer potential of things that can happen once we view them as beings rather than things. And just so that people understand, because I think we are a want-it-now society, when an individual starts meditating with stones, uh, so often we can expect or want something to happen. And it was interesting to read in the book how you had worked around stones for so long and not really even sensed what other people sensed in those stones, but then later had a really deeply uh, beautiful spiritual experience with the stone. Can you talk a little bit about whether stones uh, can activate us or allow us to receive their energies or heal even if we're not feeling anything? Or seeing sure. anything. Sure, I would. And, and that, that was my story. Um, you know, and back in the 80s, um, the jewelry dinner, I met my wife, Kathy Helen Warner, who was a crystal healer. And um, 
she said to me, Robert, you know, these stones have enemies, and this is what they're like. And I was thinking to myself, well, I've fallen in love with a crazy person, but I don't care because she's so wonderful. Um, and she insisted that because I had brought Moldavite to her, uh, I was kind of the person who stumbled on Moldavite at the beginning of um, of this whole uh, awakening to crystals in the 80s. And um, she said, you need to meditate with this stone every day, spend a half hour. So I did that at her behest and found that um, after six m- months, uh, there was a particular day where I thought, I'll use my imagination since nothing's happening. I'll imagine I'm flying up into the sky out of my body. I first actually just imagined I was rising up and wanted to look down. And I, I was able to do that. And then I found myself up higher, higher, pretty soon beyond the earth. I found myself attracted to a golden star. And even though I knew I was still sitting in the room, this occurred. And I was holding my Moldavite. Um, I got out to where the golden star was in my inward flight and saw orbiting around it millions of tiny golden orbs with a golden thread connecting each one to that star. And I looked at myself in that position, in that place, and son of a gun, I was a golden orb myself. And then I heard a voice say, the light you seek without is identical to the light within. And at that moment, back in the room, my hand tingled with the Moldavite in it, and energy shot up my arm, went into my heart, and my heart opened like a big flower. And then the other chakras, both going up and down, all opened like inner flowers made of light. And then white light coursed up and down my body and put me in a state of ecstasy. Um, My wife felt it upstairs and came down to see what was going on. And she looked at me across the room and said, Robert, you're full of light. And I said, I know. And it took a long time, a couple of hours for me to become sort of grounded enough to eventually go and open our shop. But when I did, we had a crystal shop by that time. When I did, for the first time, I could feel the energy of every stone in the store. And that never went away and began my whole career of writing about them. Well, that's a beautiful story, and it's certainly a question I've always had about individuals that worked around crystals, so you answered <laughs> you answered a lifelong question. The alchemists were never objective observers. They did not pretend to merely be watching nature to see how things worked. They were participants who threw themselves fully into their efforts, and they viewed themselves as co-creators, working in cooperative rapport with the soul of the world. When we think of the stones as beings and view our experiences of their energies as an activity of co-creative transformation, we open up to possibilities that far surpass our preconceived notions. However, we have to do our part or we're not really in partnership with them. Expecting the stones to act as objects we can simply own and their energies as something we can consume is another way of holding ourselves apart. And there's no magic in that. This is from Robert Simmons' book, The Alchemy of Stones, co-creating with crystals, minerals, and gemstones for healing and transformation. 
The Alchemy of Stones presents an inspired breakthrough in Robert's 35-year career of exploring and revealing the spiritual qualities and potentials of minerals, crystals, and gemstones. This holistic, earth-based framework for understanding stones and their energies initiates you into an alchemical worldview that leads to a spiritual healing, transformation, and transcendence. This is step-by-step, and he really does provide guidance on discovering and harnessing the three human powers of intention, attention, and imagination, each which is crucial in meeting and working in harmony with the energies of stone beings. He also introduces you to the divine feminine intelligence known as Sophia or wisdom. The stone beings are her emissaries and through relating and co-creating with them, the healing and redemption of ourselves and the earth becomes a reality. You can find out more about the book at innertraditions.com and you can find out more about Robert and the jewelry at heavenandearthjewelry.com. That's heavenandearthjewelry.com. The book is at innertraditions.com. Amazon or anywhere that books are sold and the title of it is The Alchemy of Stones. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you want more? More joy? More abundance? More power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
Welcome back. I'm excited to introduce you to the world of crystals. If you are not familiar with it, definitely into the world of alchemy and most importantly to Robert Simmons and all the work that he does. Before we get back into his uh, discussion, I do want to mention that BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com, that's H-E-L-P, they have a special offer for 1111 listeners. So I'd love for you to check them out. You can go to BetterHelp.com slash 11 and see about that a special offer, but they are a counseling service. So if you are looking to achieve greater happiness, work with an issue that you have or any of the blocks, they have amazing counselors that are there to work with you that can work with you by phone, on Zoom, on any of the methods at your convenience. It is cheaper than going into your uh, local offices for that type of support. And it is on your schedule, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, They have counselors worldwide. This is not a crisis line. Uh, They do have some scholarship options, and they, again, are available to support you in whatever way you need to grow and to expand and to support your needs in a counseling nature. Again, you can go to betterhelp.com and experience uh, one of their counselors. You can fill out and you can switch counselors at any time. They are the largest e-counseling platform that is out there and you can go and check out their counseling directory uh, all of their press and learn how to work with any of their counselors they are licensed trained experienced and accredited psychologists marriage and family therapists and licensed professionals and they've been qualified and certified by their state professional board so definitely check out betterhelp.com forward slash 11 and you can get your special offer for being 1111 talk radio listener Again, my guest today is Robert Simmons, and we are talking about his new book, The Alchemy of Stones. The Philosopher's Stone is both an inner and outer entity, and through our spiritual work, we can become as pure, solid, and true as a stone. Our way of being can become so harmonized with our true nature that once we achieve union of our conscious individuality with our deep self and the soul of the world, nothing external can dislodge that union. We become as strong as the stones, and this power, according to the alchemists, gives us the capacity to co-creatively bring perfection and self-realization into the world. This is from the book, The Alchemy of Stones. You can find out more uh, wherever books are sold. You can also go to the publisher's website at innertraditions.com and definitely check out Robert's heavenandearthjewelry.com. I have purchased gorgeous stones and jewelry from them myself, so I know that you'll enjoy going through there. And particularly um, when we go into the section on the uh, special four uh, stones that we're going to talk about later in the show, you might want to grab one of each of those. Welcome back, Robert. I want to talk a little bit about alchemy first from the experience of, uh, I know anytime I've written a book, It's very interesting. I think I'm writing the book from where I am, but the book actually changes my life. So as you wrote about alchemy, uh, how did this eventually change your life and create alchemy within you? I know you talk about going through an illness that actually ended up being a healing through the process of the book, but once completing the book, did you experience any type of um, broader idea of the alchemical process that took place in the course of this? Uh, Yes, I did, Simran, and in fact, I'm still going through it right now. Um, And it's a fantastic uh, process, and not every bit of it has been fun, but I volunteered for this by asking 
to be shown how to follow the spiritual alchemical path. Um, so just in a nutshell, right after I finished the book, the very day that it got um, uh, printed, um, I got ill again. Um, and I don't want this to put off your listeners because I don't expect that will happen to them. I think it's because I've taken this position as being the one to write this book that my challenges are bigger um, than people who just read it will experience. But what I say is when you start paying attention to alchemy, alchemy starts paying attention to you and the processes of alchemy start happening in your life. Now, with me, um, it's very interesting. There's three stages of alchemy um, the first stage is the difficult one they call the negredo or the blackness. The second stage is when the light begins to dawn and they call it the albedo, the whiteness. And the third stage where the darkness and light are integrated within one's being and your conscious and unconscious are integrated as well. It's called the rebedo, the redness. Um, I, and you, if you're following the path of alchemy, you will often experience these more than once. So... The illness for me was a, was a negredo thing, and it's like a purification process or a purging. And uh, in both cases, when I began the book and right after I ended it, after I, I and it finished writing it and got it printed, um, physical challenges came. They were not medically diagnosable by and large, and it took inner work for me to transmute them and feel good. And in both cases... I felt good on a much higher level than I had been living on before. Um, a lot of this, in my own case, has to do with psychological um, healing of things that began as far back as my birth. And rather than go into those long stories, I'll just say that um, the alchemy puts you through changes that you need to make if you really want to evolve in this lifetime. Um, and the stones work as a whole army of allies, each one per perfectly tuned to help in its own particular way, which is why I feel like the alchemy of stones, none, more than just alchemy itself, is the path that offers us the most promise. Well, and part of the reason I wanted to bring that up is because I wanted individuals to understand the, the power of the stones in the process of alchemy, because I too have gone through an alchemical process over the last seven years. And it is in the same description of, you know, the, the emptiness or the blackness and then uh, the prima materia and the purging and the purification and all of that and coming out to this other side where there is this balancing of energies. And at the time, it was something entirely different. But I utilized stones to support me along the way through that process. And so I, I feel like it's, with where we are at this time in the world and our souls are calling us up to live higher experiences that all people are going to start having some alchemical processes on their own that are initiated that the stones themselves will actually support them in moving through and allowing some of that more holistic healing to take place. So for that to happen, you talk about true imagination and you talk about creating this union 
with the stone beings where we're not just using this as a tool, but we are one with the stone. So from that standpoint, because we can even look at the the last year and the coronavirus and everything as one of those initiators into soul healing and alchemy, how do we now use true imagination and that union to move us forward? Well, that's another fantastic question. I would say the first thing I want to say is, the reason why stones fit so perfectly into the alchemical framework, in my view, is because the alchemists believed, and I believe, that the process of alchemy takes place um, simultaneously in themselves and with the whole earth. And I believe currently um, that the crises that we're experiencing are kind of the coming to the tipping point of the whole world's alchemical transformation. And the soul of the world, whom the alchemists called Sophia, which is Greek for wisdom, uh, um, has her own destiny and aspiration. And it's the same as that of the alchemists, which is to say, the alchemists believed, like the ancient Gnostics, that the soul of the world, Sophia, was sleeping in matter. She is in every particle of matter but she's not fully awake to the full potential of her being. And what is incomplete or imperfect or dysfunctional about the world has to do, in their view, and I agree with it, that um, she's not fully conscious yet in the world. In the spiritual realm, she's completely conscious and vast and amazing. In matter, the density of matter has caused uh, this being to... Be, because she entered it willingly, um, she's less conscious and less able to manifest her fullness than she could be. And the alchemists believed in as above, so below. So they believed in this holographic idea that if they worked for their own inner transformation, it would resonate not only into all other human beings, but into the earth itself. And <clears throat> excuse me. conversely, the earth's transformation is something we can pick up on and kind of use its momentum to help us do the tr- transformations we need. Now, so in the book, mm. in the in the book, you talk about the true imagination, and mm. that that inner state is yes. brought about by two elements: attention and intention. Since we're making a chosen image part of that exercise, can you expound a little bit on that? Certainly. Thanks for asking again. Um, <clears throat> True imagination is different from fantasy, and the alchemists always made a big point of discerning the difference. True imagination takes place, for instance, if you're going on a shamanic journey, the first part, you use your imagination to put yourself in a place where you go into a sacred space of your own making. And there in that sacred space of your own making, or or perhaps through a cave down to the lower world to meet animal spirits, however, whichever the journey is like, You purposely imagine the first part of it. And when you get to the doorway or when you're sitting in your sacred space and something happens that you don't expect, then you've been met by spirit in the realm of image, the imaginal realm. The three human powers that I mention in the book, attention, intention, and imagination, um, are the things that we have to uh, work with and have choice in our inner explorations. So in that shamanic journey, you, you purposely imagine and you use your will or your intention to go into that space 
and you hold your attention on it so that things can happen there. So, Robert, as we use the attention, the intention, and the imaginal realm, and we are bringing in the crystals and the stone beings, you talked about the unity there. And I think we keep uh, so much of our divinity or everything (laughs) outside of us that what is the the process of really becoming one with that? Like when you described being with the Moldavite and you – you finding yourself hovering and seeing the golden orbs and that kind of thing, you obviously had attained a state where you were really one with that whole experience. Um, so what is, what is the way to drop down into the, from the mind into really becoming one with the, with the crystal? And, and I get that you're saying the imagination, but is there any other part or is that where uh, also, that Sophia wisdom comes in because that is the deep heart and that is um, kind of that deeper soul that we must connect to. Right. What I was saying um, a moment ago was leading right to that. Um, when, when, when you take a shamanic journey or when you do other kinds of inner traveling, the things that occur in there will experience them often as images. When a medium Uh, meets and sees people who are departed and tells you what they're telling you, the beings often show themselves as images and they have symbols that they display to the medium. So that is what I mean by the imaginal realm and true imagination. Those things are real. They aren't fantasies we've made up to please ourselves. Um, And that's the distinction that's so important. Now, in regards to how we become um, one with our deep self, which is really the goal of this spiritual alchemy, um, it does have to do with dropping down into the heart. I do almost all my stonework in the heart, and I counsel that to people who take my classes. Basically, we use our breath, and in the inhalation, we invite the stone as if it is another being into our heart, and we imagine the, the image of the stone in our heart. On the exhale, we offer ourselves in friendship to the stone. And we can create then a kind of feedback loop that follows our breath in which if the stone is there as a being, and my experience says that it is, then there is a give and take in both directions. And we both are nourished. Um, One of the two big dreams I had in which I met Sophia, she showed me that what we need to do with her and with all the beings, uh, the spiritual beings we can meet in the imaginal realm, is to nourish them through our loving intention, uh, as well as to receive the gifts and, and grace that they give us. And in doing that, we become um, unified with our own deep self, because we're working from the deep self when we do all that. And that sounds like it creates that experience of infinity. True imagination transcends the ego, and it creates the experiences by which it can encounter the inner world. Fantasy, on the other hand, never transcends the ego. While imagination contains information about other parts of the psyche and discloses the path to be followed, fantasy is about the ego's need, desires, and quest for aggrandizement. What we are here to do is to be one with the soul. 
This book by Robert Simmons, The Alchemy of Stones, will help you get there. Lavishly illustrated, The Alchemy of Stones is an invitation to a journey of enlightenment, transformation, and spiritual metamorphosis aligned with the path of our living conscious earth. He does have exercises in here. He does guide you through how to use the stones. He takes you through the process of alchemy along with meeting Sophia and the deep self in the heart. And there's a library of stones in the back. So definitely check out more about this book, The Alchemy of Stones. You can go to any bookstore, uh, go to innertraditions.com, and then also go to heavenandearthjewelry.com to find out more about the jewelry and the crystals that you can access to expand your own practice with stones. We'll be right back with Robert Simmons. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I'm sure after listening to Robert and 
hearing about alchemy and some of the experiences that you can have with stones, you might be ready to feel some crystal energy. And if you do, the gentle buzzing of a stone in your hands, the warmth that can enter your body, the tingling pulsation vibrations in the chakras that certain stones can engender are all of these experiences of consciousness meeting consciousness. Think of a stone as currents of vibration, like notes of music or the words of a song. And what you feel is the effect in yourself of encountering a mineral being that is singing its song right to you. The songs of various stones can produce all sorts of physical, emotional, and mental states, just as different music affects you differently. And like good music, the vibrations of the stones can captivate you with the inner experiences of beauty, beauty that can help you heal, awaken, and beauty that can inspire you to make your world and yourself more beautiful. Uh, definitely find out about the stones. You'll see which ones you're drawn to. You will naturally go to the ones that appeal to you. And you will find that they, they will have the qualities to support you in the exact aspect of life that you need the support with. Uh, check out Robert Simmons' book, The Alchemy of Stones. While you're at it, you can get the Book of Stones. That's the other one in my library. Uh, you can find out more about different crystals and stones from his own website, heavenandearthjewelry.com. And you can go to the publisher's website as well, innertraditions.com, and look up The Alchemy of Stones. Uh, what I talked about in regard to crystals is all in his book. So that is wonderful. You go into some of the energies and the balance uh, regarding yin and yang or the Ouroboros, and you talk about um, that, that circle, that, that energy. And we, you know, when we think about the Ouroboros, it is that dragon eating its own tail or the snake eating its own tail. And that's kind of what we're doing here. That's what the soul is, is trying to capture itself or the human beings trying to capture itself. But what intrigued me was at the end where you had a double Ouroboros. And in that image, there were two dragons devouring one another's tails. Uh, and you talked about how that is a greater expansion, that there's a new consciousness we can co-create with one another, with the stone beings and with Sophia. And we do this through this special feedback loop of the double Ouroboros. Can you talk a little bit more about this activity of blessing? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, the, the double Ouroboros that you talked about that has that image in one of the pages of the book, um, one of the dragons is sort of under the ground and reaching up out of the ground and the other dragon has wings on it and it's it's up in the air and the, they connect where one bites the other's tail. So it's a circle with each of them being half the circle. In the middle of that image is a tree which is uh, symbolically the tree of light. A tree of life. And um, what this means is that heaven and earth the dragon without wings symbolizes earth or this realm, and the dragon with wings symbolizes the spirit realm. And what it's saying is that if they nourish each other, they both grow. And that's how I feel we are best able to make the most of our work with stones and our work with the earth. If we are free with our love and our blessing intention towards all things in the world and all beings in the world, including the stones, and we come from that generosity of our own heart all the time. That creates a new consciousness in us. And it, it at the same time nourishes all the beings in the spiritual world. These two worlds are married to one another um, 
and they really don't exist and can't exist without one another. So one of the things that the alchemist understood and that I'm trying to advocate for is to consciously intend to nourish and bless all beings in the inner worlds. Um, and we can do that through blessing everything we see and are, are aware of in our outer life at the same time. Absolutely. Um, so stones are perfect. Stones are perfect for that because they're physical objects. They're beautiful. They're of the earth. And they have this consciousness that we perceive as energy. When we interact with them, it reverberates out into the wholeness of everything. That's beautiful. As you move further into the book, there's a section in regard to three conjunctions. And I was, a, I was reading that. We've just passed a huge planetary astrological conjunction. I wondered if there was any connection between the types of conjunctions that you're discussing here and the major conjunction that just took place. Yes, there is. And I, my mind was blown when I started looking into the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. In alchemy, and this has got to do with ancient alchemy and the current alchemy and the psycho-spiritual alchemy we can do ourselves, there are things called moments of conjunction. And that is where, and as Jung said, that's where the opposites develop an intensification of inner tension between them. You know, just the fact that there are opposites means that there's a tension existing between them, whatever pair of opposites you want to point out. You know, there's light and darkness, there's life and death, there's love and hate, there's all these different opposites. We could name them all day. Between them, there's a connection, and the energy between them is a kind of tension. And if the tension is held on both sides by the person who's aware of it without letting go of either side and just uh, cleaving to the other one, then the intensification can reach a point, it becomes so energized that a leap is made to a transcendent position. Jung called that the transcendent function. And what that does is join the opposites together. That's what a conjunction is. In us, a conjunction that makes a big difference is when our unconscious and our conscious selves unite. Those two opposites, um, when they come together, we become whole. So that's a big thing. Now, the Saturn and Jupiter conjunction was not only a conjunction of two planets, but the energy of Saturn and the energy of Jupiter were opposites, meaning Saturn is about restriction, limitation, discipline. Jupiter is about expansiveness, generosity, joviality. You know, Saturn's the stern one, Jupiter's the happy one, you might say. And when they come together, that's a very much a conjunction of those opposing energies right in the sky. So that energy of unity rained down on the earth during the period of that conjunction. And for all the people who were able to be aware of it, we could take in a lot of that and it could resonate in our own inner conjunctions. Well, it just goes to show that there really is a plan. There's a divine plan where all things are being orchestrated and everything is being brought together, whether it is the elementals, whether it is us as physical beings, whether it is of universal proportion, it does seem to all be coming together, perhaps in that thread-like manner that you are talking about in your own visualization, that there is this literal worldwide web that we are a part of 
that is um, producing and catalyzing alchemy within everything at the same time. Yes, and, and you know, one thing I've done, Simran, I don't know if you're aware of it, but because of this need for a web of light to surround and hold the earth during these difficult times, a couple of years ago, I started through my company, Heaven and Earth, I started giving away um, these stones called um, Saralite Azestulite, I'm sorry, called Satyaloka Azestulite, um, because they, I had a vision seeing um, little particles of light streaming out from South India and going around the world and forming a net of light. And uh, my immediate impulse and understanding was, oh, oh well, these, that's where these stones come from. If I were to attempt to get these stones into the hands of lots and lots of people everywhere in the world, it would help that web of light. So since I saw that vision, we've given away about 25,000 pieces of Saralitis Eschelite to whoever has written and asked for it or has emailed us and asked for it just to try to create that web of light around the world. That's beautiful. And and since you're talking a little bit about the stones, you speak about four cornerstone stones and one of them was Moldavite, which you mentioned that you had discovered. I'd love for you to speak a little bit about um, that particular stone, but then also what these four cornerstones really represent. Uh, and they are Moldavite, Rosa Sophia, Phenocyte, and Azestulite. Yes. Yeah, the, that's, uh, I put those four stones on the cover of the book, their images, because they are, to me, the, the, the four archetypal cornerstones of this alchemy of stones. Now, I'll just just go through them quickly, and that'll help you see why I chose them. Moldavite is the energy engine of transformation among all the stones that I know about. Um, it's the stone that lit the fire of transformation in my own heart, and as I said earlier, opened me up uh, and allowed me to perceive stone energies of all the minerals. Um, but many people will say when they got Moldavite in their life, um, it suddenly everything went faster, all their evolution accelerated. What they needed seemed to be drawn to them. What they needed to let go of, they couldn't hold on to anymore. Um, and that's sort of the magic of Moldavite. It itself was formed in a meteoric collision, which is was in itself very alchemical because a meteorite from off Earth fused with earthly rock and vaporized it and shot it up into the sky, which came down as uh, what we now call Moldavite. So it's a joining of heaven and earth in one stone. The other stones, um, Phenocyte was the second major stone that I got excited about, and that was in the 80s too. Um, it's the stone that is the probably the most powerful stone for opening up the third eye and the crown chakra. And it's especially helpful for interdimensional travel and, and receiving inner visions. And it's also very powerful for helping one manifest one's visions. So it's the strongest for those purposes of anything I've ever found. So it's opposite Moldavite on the book cover. Uh, um, as if the other two stones, um, one of them is Azestulite. That's at the top of the four stones on my diagram. And it is a stone that was activated by angelic beings called the Azez showed up on earth as the story goes and um, more or less engineered the energies of this 
particular type of quartz um, to bring in what they call the nameless light of the great central sun, which is the energy they serve. And I think, you know, to hearken back to a little while ago in the interview, um, that sun that I went to in my Moldavite meditation, I think, was this great central sun, which I view as not in the outer universe, but is the light of spirit that's holographically present everywhere. So that light is being offered to earth from, you might call it, above. And here in the below is Rosophia. This is a, a, a reddish-pinkish stone that is a feldspar and quartz mixture that uh, I found uh, when I went to speak at the Sophia conference in 2008. And it was on the mantle of the room they, they had ready for me to stay in. So it was a synchronicity when I felt that I immediately felt swirling currents, loving energy all around my heart. And I knew that it was Sophia stone. So I view Rose Sophia as the earth's love reaching up and Azestulite as the heavenly light reaching down to meet it. And that can happen, in my view, when you use those two stones together in the crucible of our heart. So those four stones working in, in congruence with one another are the most powerful ones I can think of to sort of facilitate the alchemical transformation. That is what we instinctively seek, even if we don't fully realize it. Well, I can certainly attest to the Moldavite. I, I got a, bought a piece from you years ago, and evolution and expansion and change <laughs> and all kinds of things happened ever since then. And uh, and I also happened to get a piece of the Azestalite at that time, too. So I've experienced both of those and look forward to getting the, the Phenocyte and the uh, the Rosa Sophia so that I can complete my four for for any remaining alchemy that has to take place. Uh, in the back of the book, you have a lot of the crystals and stones. I want to mention to people that it is all there. And the book is titled The Alchemy of Stones, Co-Creating with Crystals, Minerals, and Gemstones for Healing and Transformation. This really is uh, an amazing resource. It is jam-packed with information. And if you really are wanting to understand the process of alchemy while also being guided through alchemy with the support of stones, it is highly recommended. Normal ego consciousness would be replaced by an imaginative consciousness that beheld the world through the eyes of imagination. It would see underneath the apparent of ordinary reality to the meaning hidden there. It would behold the spiritual powers at play in ordinary life, and it would possess the freedom and perceiving symbolically bestows. Imaginative consciousness gives us freedom. It expands our reality, and it allows us to notice synchronicities, the golden threads that are Sophia's invitations, her love letters to us. So I invite you to start to discover the love letters that the earth and the heaven are both sending to you. Thank you so much, Robert, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It has been a pleasure. I invite you, my listeners, to go visit his website, heavenandearthjewelry.com, and also innertraditions.com. My guest next week will be Lisa Tahir, and we are going to be talking about her new book, The Chiron Effect, which is also a fabulous resource. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Be well. 
Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey. 